This is Gemma, and this is Money Can't Buy You Class, a podcast about the relationship or intersection between uh, reality television and critical theory. Hey, Gemma. Hey, Phoebe. And yes, today we are going to do one of our favorite things, which is just kind of like chit chat, uh, pose our own critical theories um, about a specific show. Um, and this one's been out for a while, you know, there's been in the culture for a while, but we recently decided we could really have a good conversation about it. And that is selling sunset, which concluded its third season like a couple months ago. Yeah. It was one of those third seasons that was shot like post COVID, like post lockdown. Right. Um, and it was hilarious because like, it was one of the, it was it was almost like a show like succession where mm-hmm. it kind of pretended that covid didn't happen yeah it was one of those shows like no one ever wore a mask but it was a reality show so right exactly so which which i think um the fact that like selling sunset is operating as um a fictional television show is kind of like the crux or the right. basis of what we want to kind of like the like the angle that we want to approach it from, mm-hmm. which is like how it mediates the, you know, the difference between what's what's real and what's fake. Right. And kind of like blurs the line between those things, but does not doesn't really live in that like space where it's between real and fake, but kind of I think lives in two states of like extremely fake and I wouldn't say extremely real, but there is something there's like a tension between this, like obviously very fake, like plasticky, like literally like this is not an L.A. that anybody else lives in to like more, I guess, real human interaction or something like that. It's such a complicated show because it's about workers, but it's not about the working class, you know, yeah. but the because they 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 all have full-time jobs all the women and the two men they're all like uh they're real estate agents that's the fictional thing too right it's like the a lot of these women were like clearly kind of cast for this show you know sure it they were cast for the show but then it's also just like their job is to be a reality star so they're cast for the show and the show is kind of lying about that where they're saying oh like it's a show about real estate agents instead of being like it's a real estate agent office full of reality television stars and and to me that kind of like also like places it in this weird space of like it it also feels like a fake reality show almost it's like it's like a reality show larping as other reality shows it's like so many layers of like fakeness that's trying to pass as real yeah no it's it's very strange and it also I mean like Obviously, because it's like it's a it's a reality television show like about a workplace. I kept thinking of Vanderpump Rules, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're also like they're very close to each other, um, Sir and the Oppenheim Group. Like they're yes. both on Sunset in uh, West Hollywood, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but but uh, you know, in the same way that that like um, Lake House Chateau was uh, portrayed in Real Housewives of Beverly Hills versus Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Right. There's like a very different lens in which like Sunset is viewed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that in the Oppenheim group, they it's not as ironic about it. Like, I don't think that like the, the producers are making fun of the positionality of these women as much as they are in Vanderpump Rules. Like, I think that there's like this very strange, almost like disconcerting attempt for us to take the show and to take these women seriously, like Mm -hmm. almost as like a way to gauge like, like this strange type of feminism. It's actually so misogynist. (laughs) It's like, it's like women get mad at each other in the office and like, 
get their nails done and like flirt with guys to give them apartments. And then they're like, I make my own money. Like it's important to me. It's very Ramona Singer. I find making my own money to be an aphrodisiac. <laughs> I know, but like mispronouncing it. She's like an yeah. aphrodisiac. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh my God, you just learned that word. It's <laughs> crazy. No, but exactly. And I think that it's also just like, it's such a joke of itself almost because they're like, they're like, oh, woe is me. I have to flirt with these men to just uh, sell them the houses or like, I don't want to flirt with these men. But right. then they all end up either dating the men in the office or the men that they sell the houses to. Yes. Once again, they are selling Sunset as well as selling kind of themselves. <laughs> and Right. No, exactly. And you sell Sunset by selling yourself. And also the idea of a, a sunset is like it's very like okay cupid circa like 2007 yeah you know where it's like i like sunsets and like long walks on the beach and like hawaii and like margaritas and like little doggies taco tuesday this whole show vibes taco tuesday (laughs) it does like vegan taco tuesday especially with okay for example when they have a burgers and botox event season three as we jump ahead, I don't know if we want to kind of chronologically go through, but like season three, Christine has ostensibly recently given birth and they, every scene she enters, someone says, I can't believe you gave birth two weeks ago. And, you know, taking it beyond the obvious step of like how fucked up that is like to like do set that as a standard or be like kind of humble bragging about that. Beyond that, I feel like that's the crux of the show. Like, and I do feel like the fakeness that that like that tension starts and ends with Christine, right? It's like, okay, did she have a baby? And all the all the promo around the show was about that. So like I feel like like this this real and fake theme is the whole, it's the whole thing. Like people that like people were all over Instagram, like all these like celebrity commenters that I follow are like well, is it real? Is it not real? That's the promo, right? It's just like, you have to watch it for the uncanniness of it. Yeah, And you're talking about um, Christine as like the big bully of the show. And she like ostensibly got pregnant. We saw like the baby bump and everything. But a lot of people are saying that she actually had a surrogate, that she wasn't actually pregnant. She was just like pretending to be pregnant. And then on the show, like publicized being pregnant. But then, you know, she was wearing like legit, like five inch stilettos, supposedly the day before giving birth, Um, which is also like, you're not supposed to do (laughs) like, that's like really, it could be potentially like incredibly harmful to the baby. Um, And then she weighs like, I mean, I, some people give birth and they're like, they didn't gain a lot of baby weight, but that's just like also something that like you, you gain a little bit of weight. Yeah. You know, or at least like you look fucking tired or something. Yeah, right? There's no way changes. in hell that she's breastfeeding a living baby and has just had a baby two weeks ago and is like looking like that. Like, even if she didn't have a surrogate, people are also saying like, she just clearly had the baby like a lot earlier. Right. And that, but, and that's like the weirdness of the show and is what we were kind of like getting at earlier like it's kind of like what we like the again like how we're how we're viewing the show is just like it's a reality show so you're like okay it's gonna like in a certain way shape or form attempt to document some type of something real Mm -hmm. but what this show does instead of being like you know like real housewives or vanderpump rules or any of these shows like they're not fully real but you can you know you can tell the parts of them are at least expressing real emotions this show there's just there's this insane disconnect between real and fake Mm -hmm. especially because the show's supposed to like reality tv is supposed to be this this uh very specific blend of real and fake right but this show kind of inverts that Mm -hmm. So all like the parts that are supposed to be real become fake and all the parts that are fake are supposed to be fake become real. So it becomes this very strange, very uncanny, almost like emotionally frightening type of um, uh, like, I don't know, like, like anxiety ridden amusement. It feels like world building in a way that's more distant from like the Bravo reality world, right? Like the Bravo reality world, like, they do inhabit a city and like they do make 
and they do travel places and you do kind of see the city as it is. And I feel like, especially season three of Selling Sunset, just the contrast with with the shot (laughs) and the streets they're walking down in the middle of Hollywood, like there's not like a single like piece of trash. There's not like a single like unhoused person on the street. There's no tents. Like it was very much like old trope of what LA is. And I feel like that really ties into like this selling the sunset thing, which also gets to this like real and fake thing. Cause it's also this something it's it, the show itself is trying to sell something intangible to the viewer. Yeah. Well, you know, in this, you know, there's that, there's that really incredible um, like a documentary called like Los Angeles plays itself. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like this three hour spoken essay that and all like the, the the images are taken from movies, like fictional movies that are made in or about Los Angeles. And I feel like Selling Sunset in a way is like this very contemporary uh, continuation of Los Angeles plays itself mm-hmm. because it because the 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 main character of the show is the city of Los Angeles. Exactly. And not only is it the main character, or, or as part of being the main character, that doesn't mean it's a um, it's a documentary subject, but right. it's it's a it's a filmic object. Yes, you know, and in in a similar way as these women are seen, so highly made up and done up, and they call themselves women, they call themselves working women, they call themselves all of these words, but like. Or, or they call themselves real or insecure, but there's like these words almost take on like in, you know, they become empty, like empty signifiers or whatever. Yeah. And I feel like in the same way or, and, and through being an empty signifier, they lose their substance and they gain a whole new definition that you can kind of like only tell once you're like, once you watch the show for long enough and you start to understand the intricacies of this, like almost like new cyborg language that they're that they're using that they're fluent in or some of them are not as fluent as others um and I think that like the city of Los Angeles as a language and as a character undergoes a very similar sort of of transformative like nomenclature it feels like in season one it was like a little more they were trying to be a little more emotionally um they're trying to get to our heartstrings a little more with mm-hmm. like Chriselle's story and like even like this the relationship between Christine and uh, Mary dissolving, um, and I feel like season like you've watched them in sequence re- more recently than I did. You said like season two was the one that really hooked you, right? Yeah, well, I, um, because I knew that we were going to do an episode about this, I kind of was like, all right, I'm just going to watch it. And so I watched the, all all the first season in, in a day, mm-hmm. just because I was like, today, I'm going to watch it. And it was so it was like, honestly, painful. Like, I hated <laughs> watching it. You know what I mean? And it's like, if I hadn't, if I if I hadn't thought that we were going to talk about it, I would have like turned it off. Yeah. So I kind of like pushed through the first season. And like, we can get into why it was so painful. But then by and I took like so many notes and whatever, because I was really thinking about it. And I was like, Oh, this is so weird. But yeah. by like the second season, it like it it all of a sudden I was hooked. I think that like it's not that it became realer, but I think that they figured out what wasn't working in the first season, which was like the the forcedness of it. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden it became a show that that made like that made sense within like the logic of its own making. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I was like into it and I didn't see the woman as like totally as like full strangers anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, be, you start to like actually pick like emotional sides with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the first season, there's like no room to, um, yeah. to, to relate to any of them or to like have, because they're all kind of so horrible in the yeah. first season that you can't like imagine yourself making any of their like emotional like philosophical psychological um professional decisions but Mm -hmm. I think that by the time the second season rolls around I think that they like open up a little bit and express like even just like a tiny ounce of individuality but I think that it's like that type of individuality which then draws you to some characters and their like emotional digressions or problems or passions yeah yeah I agree and I I feel like the beginning season is just like they're inter- being introduced and you are like, you're just kind of like the whole time being like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, right. Because Michelle, like, this like, world all is so of, foreign to me. And all of them, um, 
all of their backgrounds seem somehow like not real. Like it seems sus. Like they, they all don't seem to really have a past. Yeah. And Chriselle has this past that's like so dramatized that you're like, okay, but like, why is that our most real story of origin here? Right? Like, like this kind of unbelief, like, again, everything is a little bit unbelievable. Like Chriselle's story is that she didn't have like running water growing up. That might be true. Like that is a reality for people. But then like now, but now she's like married to like, she was like, she was like married to this actor who's in This Is Us. You know what I mean? Like, and that that weird homelessness that she experienced, that theme coming in with the homelessness, obvious like huge epidemic in LA. And then they're selling these houses for like $40 million is another, I think, strange issue with the real and fake. Right. And I think that it's, I think that one of the reasons that Chriselle becomes such a main character is it's what I was, you know, it's like, I was thinking about it as like, it's not rags to riches. It's super rags to super riches. Right. You know what I mean? Like she, um, she, in a way she, she proves obviously the like ever transcendent myth of the American dream is your own bootstrings and you're a beautiful woman and like you go to LA and you get off the bus and you're like oh my god I'm here I'm arrived I have money now you know so it's like this fairy tale story but like at the same time I think that it's like she as like a person or she as a story like serves as like the justification for you know for like um for like selling these $40 million listings, like this may be a bad analogy, but it's like, you know, it's like when, when someone's like, well, like I have a black friend, so it's okay if I say that or do that, you know, they're kind of like, oh, well, Chriselle was poor. So like, it's okay to do what we're doing because like a poor person or like a formerly poor person tells us that it's okay to be rich now or it's okay to cater to the rich now. So I think that they also use her as, and you can tell that when I think it's season one, when they go, when they do like a, like a, like a soup kitchen day or something. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're like all glamazoned out and they're handing like canned food to like homeless families in Los Angeles. Also just like, oof, like it's so uncomfortable comfortable but then Chris Shell is like I just felt so good because I used to be the little girl on the line wanting to be the rich person who gave me food I'm thinking now like listening to you talk I'm thinking about like how Chris Shell's enemy is Christine who is like very comfortable with her like glamazon richness and also does not have a past like literally we know nothing about her like her Instagram when she first like came on the show everyone was like it was like deleted up to when she was on the show like it's like where did this woman come from was she like fashioned you know like it really feels like she kind of came out of she kind of came to greet this moment for the show specifically um and it feels like with Chriselle and her being in in like this kind of juxtaposition it's like this woman with this like intense past and this woman with like no past but I think that the existence of Chriselle's story as growing up like poor and now her existence in this rich world where she's now rich. I mean, I feel like part of the uncanniness of the fake and real that you're feeling is, is partly like something that you feel in LA sometimes where like the wealth gap is so ginormous that it's like hard to conceptualize. And so I feel like, I just like, it's kind of interesting to think about like, Chriselle and Christina's being like they're having their own wealth gap or something or having some you know like that that wealth gap is also like the gap between the fake and the the real or something okay so all of these things it's not only that all these things become commodified or objectified but they all they all become uh characters yeah you know in a in like an extremely like cinematic way right Mm -hmm. um and I think that like money or even yeah. like the notion of wealth yeah. or even the notion of like a hidden disparity. I think that like, instead of like being like actual nouns or objects that you can relate to, mm-hmm. I think that they really become characters. And yeah. I think that money in this show um, is, is, is a very like individual thing, mm-hmm. right? I think that money gets you a specific 
type of lifestyle. And I think that the way that money is spent Mm -hmm. or idolized, it's, it's almost like it's another woman in the room Mm -hmm. that they're all playing with or playing around or flirting with. Yeah. Yeah. Which, right. So it's like, and I love this, this idea of like Chriselle with the, with the very, like, like it kept reminding me of a grapes of wrath. Yes. Um, by Steinbeck of like Chriselle's like journey across the dust bowl to like, to get to her dream of LA. Briefly, quickly. Okay. I want to keep going on this. I want to keep seeing what you say, but what's her name a combination of, isn't it a combination of, of gas station names? Oh my God. I didn't pick that up. Maybe like shell. It's shell. It's like Chris shell, the shell, the shell, maybe it's not a combo, but the shell is because she was like, almost born at a shell gas station which they had as like a part of like confirming that she like is indeed white trash oh my lord anyway and like crisco going. is that like the combination like exactly crisco that's what i'm thinking like gas station <laughs> right so it's like her name is in itself like two like symbols of like rural white trash um, but I was also thinking about her name as like a combination of like uh, Christopher and hell. And like Christopher is like, you know, the body of Christ, like mm. Christ is like carrier of Christ. <laughs> and like hell is obviously hell. So I kept thinking of like Chris Shell as like this weird, like amalgamation of like this fallen angel oh, that's, of like that's Lucifer good. That's himself. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's a Phoebeism if I've ever heard <laughs> it's such like a strange name and then it's like then you also have like amanza who's like the other person who grew up poor who also has this like really out there name which is like amazing and amanda yeah no that name is psychotic <laughs> it's like you know what i mean and it's like i think that these I, and then I, you have I mary know. the virgin right no exactly the mother. Like mary the virgin you have christine which is another christ name yeah and then i don't know then and christine's have, husband is named christopher yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it, it it's a very, like, Catholic show. And, like, I definitely, I don't know what Heather means. What's Heather? Yeah, this show does not have any Jewish energy. <laughs> There's no Jewish energy. I mean, rarely are there Jews on reality TV show. Oh, but no, you know who's Jewish? Hmm. Come on. You know who's Jewish. Maya. Maya's Jewish. Maya's Israeli. She's Israeli. She's Israeli. You're talking about um, Grapes of Wrath. And I do feel like there's a lot of like, there is kind of like a, the presence of like a like classic American literature um, with, when I am looking at your notes with you talk about um, The Great Gatsby. Like, you know, it kind of feels like a, a show that plays on those old ideas of what like wealth and excess is. Yeah, well, I was, I was doing the line from The and Great the darkness. Gatsby where she's like, um, uh, oh my God, I'm like blanking on her name, but Daisy, where Daisy's like, he smells like money. That's like one of the most famous lines. Like he yeah. smells like money. Yeah. Um, and I, I, right. And I think that, right. Money becomes like a character, becomes like a signifier. Um, and it become like, you know, it, it, like money is, because money, obviously money means many different things, mm-hmm. right? And money has the capacity to be imbued with so, like through so many varying contexts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think that money, you know, when you think of smelling money, you're not, you know, it's like, what does that mean? Are you talking about like the way that like dollar bills or like paper, like American right. paper money smells, because that is a very distinct smell. But mm-hmm. are you talking about new bills? Are you talking about the smell of of wealth? Mm-hmm. Are you talking about, you know, like what are you, are you, it's like you're so rich, your shit doesn't smell, right. you know, like that type of stuff. But so it's such a strange thing because are you talking about how gross like coins smell yeah. when you've had them in your pocket too long and like your hands get all um, like, like acidic mm-hmm. or metallic? Um, I think that to say in a certain like context of wealth that like he smells like money um, in a, in a way that doesn't like incite like immediate senses of disgust shows that like money is taken on. It's like its own, um, you know, its own personhood. And seduct- seductive quality. Exactly. Cause the exactly. smell, the, the smell, that line is so good because the like, to smell someone is very erotic and it's like, a, it's very much like there's a, there's a knowing of their somehow like their, 
their chemical makeup. If you like the smell of somebody, you know, I also, I really did keep thinking, and I think about this in most every reality television that I watch. I always am like, what do these women smell like? Don't you think about that? I think about that all. I think I know what these, I feel like they smell like vanilla. But I feel like there's like, I don't know. I feel like there's some like really gross nastiness that's like lurking underneath it. I don't know. I always think that there's some like, some like weird murky, like, like throwing out like vomit shit smell that I always like associate with women who look so made up. And so like, uh, well, okay. So, so in talking about smells like money, I think this show is made to look like money. Elaborate. Like, I think, I mean, you know me, I love, I love a color dissection and a aesthetic inquiry. And it, it's like, it's so shiny and bright. It's so bright. And there's this feeling, I think that wealth is sunlight is brightness. It's, it's being on the, and we see these houses, all these houses they sell are wall to wall windowed. All these houses are on Hills. So you get views and they always talk about you're selling the view. You're selling the sunset. You're selling the view of the sunset. And, um, you know, like in terms of like a city's makeup, um, you know, houses get much nicer and much more expensive, the higher up you go in the city. And so for all these houses, especially that one, I think it's in season one or two, that $40 million house that they can't sell because who's going to buy a house for $40 million. They can't sell it, but that's like, and again, every single house, but that house especially is like wall to wall window. And you just are looking out at LA and it's so bright and everything like Chriselle's, I'm not Chriselle, Christine's lipstick, shiny. The yellow Lamborghini's, so shiny. Like the color is it contrasted in this way that's just like bright and it looks like, yeah, looks like money. Yeah, it looks shiny like new money. And it's also like I like I understand that like I don't uh live in LA right now, but you know, I have and I've been I go to LA a lot ever since I was a kid. I don't recognize one place that they go to. So that's what I that's what I was saying earlier. It's like that's not what (laughs) no but it's but you know what I mean like those they seem like fully fake places exactly exactly and like that's I think what you're talking about again like where there's like the like character like everything becoming a character it's almost like everything is just like a concept of itself this is like a concept of like Hollywood now that's not an expression that exists in real life it's like it's like expressions of these ideas like Chriselle is like an expression of like working hard like christine's like an expression of like intense beauty or like vanity mm-hmm. I, I feel like there are these like they're just these like everything operates in this like like very 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 highly like flat level like there's there's really like there's not even a discussion like we can have with about like kim kardashian does she have an interiority it's like there is no interiority for this Well, I think that that's another part of it that freaked me out watching the first season because I think it's like you watch a show like the Kardashians for many different reasons, but I think that it's like everyone can agree that love them or hate them, don't care about them. They are like mainstays of like not only American, but like international culture and Mm -hmm. culture industry and cultural machine. You know, their fakeness is almost what makes them real. Like there's evidence that they are real people. But then you go to a show like this and you're like, who the fuck? are these people like what con they they are devoid of context yes there's nothing about them and it's not even like I mean some of them try to date famous people but the famous people that they date are like who's that guy Tarek 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 I don't know like he's not he's just he's kind of like just like a rich guy who's like they're all just like like Christine's husband is some like psychotic tech billionaire you know what I mean? Like, sure, like in a certain way they're known, but it's like they're 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 the men are known for being rich, or like Chriselle's ex-husband was like part of this is us, which which is such a vibe, such a like vanilla ass like actor to date. Right, exactly. But it's just like other than bad, like new bad sitcom actor. Yeah, exactly. But it's like they they have no context other than that and that's like not even a real context like you can't even recognize them without any makeup on not that we'd ever yeah. seen them without makeup on but it's they're so strange because I kept being like who like 
who are they? Why was this show made? Like who, <laughs> right? Like, and I think that that that's even like, that's not just like a rhetorical question in a certain way, but it's like literally like, how was this show? Like, what is the, what was the, what was Netflix doing when they were like, we're going to make a show about these gorgeous women who work in real estate in like Beverly Hills and Hollywood. Reality TV, the way it is now, like with the Kardashians, especially like this show is clearly like, you know, trying to do something. So, you know, they're trying to be like high fashion, like super glam, like super rich. Like it's like, it's like the this next step of the aspirational show. That's like, it's too much. It's like, that. it's just like, I, I can't even aspire to that. Cause I can't even conceptualize what would make a house $40 million and who would buy that? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's like, it's this next step that's using context of reality TV, but using it to make like its own little tiny metaphor of itself, which you talk about a little bit in your notes. But, you know, I think this show is also like playing off of like, like I follow this account um, for, you know, so I can stay appraised on the culture um, called Celeb 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 Homes. And it's just like, posts about these interiors of these celebrities homes and it's like Justin Bieber's and they all look exactly the same like they're all like these like restaged and like but it's obsessed like the main photo it posts is like how much the house costs so I think there's some like weird like aspirational like masochistic or like porny thing that people like about looking at the interiors of extremely fancy houses and seeing how much they cost you know, yeah. like there, there's cool. something about like seeing that amount. And I was noticing when I was watching today, like the title cards that come in, you know, instead of like the names of the people, it's like how many bedroom, how much this house costs, how many bedrooms it has and how much the commission is. So it, it's like these houses are like these symbols of like exchange or currency. They're characters. Yeah. They literally are introduced like um, in terms of like the, the words on the screen, you know, yeah. flashes up with like Nate, how you'd say like you'd have like a name and then the um, profession. Like on the that's bachelor. A, yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Or or just like even in a documentary. Yeah. You know, or, or even Real Housewives. Like, it's like, do, 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 here's Luann in her kitchen. Right. Exactly. That's the same way that the houses are introduced as characters. Oh, you know what's funny about that? This is funny. Um, in Not All Diamonds Rosé, he talked about, Andy talked about how they introduced title cards because people couldn't keep the women, uh, they couldn't tell the women apart on Real Housewives of Orange County. So, you know, there's something in that too, that like there's, there's like, that these people don't have very many sim- signifiers for like individuality and neither do these houses. Right, exactly, exactly. And I, right, and that's also something that I was thinking about because so, so in a way, it's like, you know, it's just to contextualize the show, it's almost like the, the, the mediation or the mediator mm-hmm. between like Vanderpump Rules and Real Housewives. Yeah. Because yes, the women are working, but like they're also in their 30s and they're also wealthy. But the other thing that they don't do is they don't fight over the same men, which is something that I always notice. So at a show like Sex in the City, which is that's like, I mean, I haven't seen all of it, but it's like they they like never really fight over the same man. Do they? Yeah, not really. I think it's like maybe once, maybe like maybe one or once, two but not really. So like both think someone's cute, but that's like never a big plot point or because when they fight, when they get into the big fights, it's about like professional things or it's about like advice giving and you know friendship. I mean? It's just about like, yeah. It's like, right, exactly. And in Vanderpump Rules, it's always about like who's dating who, who's having sex with who. But I think that there's like a certain like you you zoom out a little bit in a show like Sex and the City, sure, but also um, like Selling Sunset because these women are all like cookie cutters of each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that the men that they date are all cookie cutters of each other as well. So I think that yeah. they're all trying to fit into like the same uh, box. Mm-hmm. So instead of fighting for the men, they don't do that because the men are like so compl- so totally interchangeable. It doesn't matter which yeah. one you get, you know, it's just like it really doesn't. But what they are fighting for is the presentation of their relationship and the presentation of themselves, you know, yeah. who can be the best at being the like the the same, like who can be the mold. Also, it's on Netflix. Right. And Netflix, I have to say, there's got there's something about Netflix reality shows. They all have that high contrast shooting. It's like the way they're produced. 
What are other Netflix reality shows? Too Hot to Handle, which is amazing. Um, Love is Blind. Yeah, because I remember like, or not remember, but I think that each network begins to have its own personality. Yeah, Netflix is like really uncanny. Right. Netflix is like super uncanny. Peacock is like very funny. It's almost like highbrow because it's like NBC. Yeah. And then Bravo is, um, I don't know. What's Bravo? Classic. Circle. The Circle was Netflix. The Circle was Netflix. You know what we should do actually, which could be really fun? We should Mm. do like a deep dive into like each network's um, like chronology of reality television shows. Yeah, that'd be good. I mean, Terrace House. Terrace House is on Netflix. Yeah, I don't know. Because I grew up watching um, Bravo because it was just like always on like daytime TV. Like I watched like Millionaire Matchmaker and shit like that. So I'm looking at Netflix. So basically, but that's what Netflix is trying to do. Like their reality, their reality section that I'm looking at right now is like next in fashion. It's all remakes of shows that Bravo did really well and they do it like really fast. And I'm like, I mean, I think all Netflix shows are just like made like, I mean, they have butt tons of money and they like make them in like five days. (laughs) Goop, Queer Eye. Oh my God. Right, right, not right. And those shows are all so weird. And like, and right, Queer Eye was like, definitely, it was like very much so. It was very Great obvious British creation. Baking show. Yeah. No, there are all these like very strange social fabrications, which are like close enough to reality to be like, this could be real. But, you know, people always say about like the Great British Bake Off, it's like, it's like super strange how nice they are to each other, which is like, it's not, oh, that's just a British thing or whatever. Like, I think that instead of like being a Britishism, it's like a Netflixism where they're like creating this like weird uh, emotional setting where people just like act a little differently. Right. I mean, like, and like Netflix has like Hype House now and like, Singles Inferno, which I watched like two episodes of, and I like got stoned, and I was like, I don't even know how to access this show. <laughs> it's basically we- like yeah. these Korean singles are like dating, and they're like literally on an island that has no shade. Like it's literally hot. <laughs> which I think okay, so then kind of takes me back to Selling Sunset, yeah. <laughs> where I think that's something that I was right, which is also just like the endless sunshine. Oh God, it's sort of, you know, so you have the endless sunshine, which again is like you live in Los Angeles and like I've lived there for years. It's like, that's literally not what Los Angeles looks like. Yeah. It's just not. And even on the sunniest of days, that's like not what it looks like. And that's not what the colors like. It's just like the, the wrong, like tone of sky. Cause LA is like very famous for having like a very specific color palette with the sky and the sunsets and the mountains. But like, this is like, so not it like it's more of I think of when I think of like Miami or something yeah but anyway but I think that's something else what you're what you're talking about where what, what's that Korean show called singles inferno singles inferno where you're like oh because dating is hellish but then it's also like no they're literally on an island that like is that like represents an inferno you know and I think that it's like it's language starts to do this weird thing where you you go into it thinking that it's going to be an irony or or metaphorical but Mm -hmm. it turns out to be like very um it's like obvious almost to a to like a loss of meaning or almost to like a contradiction so I kept finding that um as like this very freakish thing on Selling Sunset where they use all these words words like like girlfriend or or husband or um or like uh like I'm sorry or uh conflict yeah. you know just these like uh everyday words are just these very normal normative words that you find in a reality television show but the way in which they're used on selling sunset you and I was talking about this a little bit earlier you start to realize that the way in which me myself I think of a word like friendship it it's a it's a very different type of scenario going on in selling sunset right. and it's not just me it's like it's like the it's like the definition of friendship that i've also seen through other types of similar media mm-hmm. you know where it's like yeah it's obviously not a real type of friendship that's right. going on on like real housewives of beverly hills or vanderpump rules or or the bachelorette but they still have a semblance of understanding what that type of friendship could be yes you know, you so you so you can relate to it in a way. But I feel yeah. like I'm selling sunset. There's something where it's like they'll say a word friend, but you you can just tell that like they are so not friends. And it's not even like they're enemies. 
they're just kind of like two people like orbiting each other parallel so they never touch and it, it reminds me even thinking of like the tech billionaires who who buy the houses Sorry, I'm, I'm like ranting but I'm almost done where it's like so I've been like applying to jobs right and you go to these like tech websites and you read you know it's like a 500 word job description and you read it and all the sentences are perfectly grammatical but you get to the end of it and you're like what the fuck did that mean like for <laughs> all of these hundreds of words strung together in ways that again grammatically linguistically make sense but they, they but they have no substance they're just words on a yeah. page well to me that feels like well that and that that feels like that was something that like got really um exacerbated like around the election and stuff like these kinds of like imperatives or phrases that were supposed to just make you like it was just they were just a they were just a signal they were just like a a symbol or a kind of like like even like the amount of times the word vote got repeated it's like when you repeat a word over and over in your head and it loses all context it's like that right there's like yeah I really feel like these shows and I think especially in the music the lyrics of the music it's like algorithmically generated words that like make sense for pop songs yeah it's it's like I don't give a fuck and like make millions and being like got my Lambo in Hollywood (laughs) and then it's like neon lights it's like so like what it's like a literally a robot wrote this song no exactly exactly it's like a robot wrote the song and then like the algorithm like they did like gpt3 with the with the with the plot and then like the ai picked out the song that matched up the words to the amount of words said in the in the show and then like that's that like that's their music and the drone footage the drone footage the drone footage is huge but really quickly if you watch it with subtitles choruses of of songs right it's like not even like a full song it doesn't exist as a full song in the world and like but it's like credits the songwriters and it's always like two full names of like two random people that you're like okay clearly this was just a song that was written like there's no like artist there's no there's no real like conception behind it right exactly and it's like right like in Vanderpump Rules the show is narrated by pop punk but those are, I mean, they're real songs, you know yeah. what I mean? They're not great songs, but they're real songs. And this show, Selling Sunset, is like, right, it's narrated by like, like, EDM rap, EDM type it's not shit. Even, it's, it's like, it's like hyper top 40. Yeah. Like, I wonder who recognizes that type of music. Yeah. I don't think the show's about relatability at all. Or maybe goal. it is, but I think just like, not for us like I think that it's like just too far away from like who you and I are as people I don't think so I don't I don't think it's related I don't think I think it's just a symbol of a kind of media I don't I really don't think it's like about being a successful realtor I mean it's really I mean it is a show that is just like obsessed with this idea of like nothingness but it's this nothingness in case in 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 an absolute hyper something which is well it it almost feels like (laughs) as a reality tv fan i almost feel insulted by this show i'm like you think i want to watch this like like and like brian moylan does really good recaps of it on vulture and i have a quote from him that's like that you i think we're talking about with it like it's like so obviously fake like it's just obviously manufactured and like the language means nothing and like the scenarios aren't real and the friendships aren't real like he has a quote saying like this is the thing I don't understand about the fakery of selling sunset Jason is like Mary I want you to come meet this new realtor I might hire and they go to read her and he's like come by the office on Monday and meet everyone she's clearly hired she's clearly cast on the show why are you trying to pretend like she's not we're not stupid. It would take nothing away from the story to be like, hey, Mary, I hired this new realtor and I want you to come meet her first and see her listing in Malibu. That, I believe, that is true. If you're going to fake even the small stuff, what else are you going to fake? Like, it's it's just like, there's this, there's this lack of, I mean, there's no narrative, none. Well, the right? narrative is the wave, is like the wave of selling, escrow, commission, New, new person new oh my god wait talk about cyborg that bitch emma who makes the empanadas <laughs> oh my the cheeseburger empanada and that what's her name the the one who vanessa vanessa vanessa's like a mex like i'm literally mexican and like 
she's like, I know she there's she's that point where she's like, I'm Mexican. I know what an empanada is. That is not an empanada. What are you yeah. talking about? Why are you right. calling them empanadas if they're not empanadas? Right. right. And like, but then like, but then so then it begs the question. So like reality TV's always been like, you know, has to have real and fake in it. And like, you know, there are like the real stories. And I, I like what you said at the beginning of our conversation about like how the f- real stories become seem fake. And the fake stories are the real thing. That's an inversion. Because like a man, Amanda like has had like as like a single mom, and like her story with her like children's father is like horrible. It's so sad. Like he like literally like went was like I'm gonna go do like go get milk and like like that that again a trope of like an absent father and then like never came back. And yeah, it's like and like Mary had a kid when she was really young. Like Mary had a kid at like. 16 I think like 15 she got pregnant when she was 15 but you know like but then but then like that Amanza story that is like is kind of real is like just fit among these stories of like Christine's like probably fake birth story where she said she almost died you know and and so I guess it just becomes really hard to discern stuff but I wonder that so in season three the way season three ended was there was finally the big blowout fight about like the tension that's been boiling for three seasons. And I was kind of that last scene. I was like, okay, this is more reality TV. Like this feels like mm-hmm. there is stuff happening that was not quite planned. Um, I think Heather is a lot like Whitney and they both remind me of like being the realist on, on their shows, like Whitney and Salt Lake and Heather on Selling Sunset. Cause they're like so bimbo that they can't really do the dance. <laughs> <laughs> they're too bimbo where does the last fight take place again like at why? this at the house at like the selling party at like the open house that they made it as a party oh right 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 and um what mary like flips a shit flips a shit she okay i actually think that mary I actually kind of like Mary because yeah. I think that she has a certain type of ugliness to her mm-hmm. that she's not necessarily scared of showing. Mm-hmm. And I actually mean that in a very cosmetic way. Like, I think that Mary without makeup is like, I mean, every, whatever. Everyone looks like an alien when you stare at them too long. But I think that Mary, when she gets upset, you can see it on her face. Yeah. In a way that like she doesn't have the same composure as the other as the other women do. Right. And you can see it in her eyes and her eyebrows and her whole face becomes like fully contorted mm-hmm. during that last scene when she's like screaming at Christine mm-hmm. where where and Christine is just there like with her like Botox and her lips and she's trying not to move. She's trying not to smudge her makeup. Mm-hmm. And there's something I really respect in 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 that type of um, cosmetic ugliness. Right. Well, now I'm just thinking about like, I'm thinking about like when you ask like, where does it take place? And it's like, that to me feels like this whole conversation, like about the show, like, where does this take place? And like, I feel like the, there's so many houses, um, they're always kind of in these like weird liminal spaces, <laughs> like these like houses yeah. that like, haven't yet sold, like the emptiness of the gestures and the emptiness of the language, I think is kind of reflected in like the emptiness of these houses, like the $40 million house that sits ostensibly sits on top of the Hollywood Hills and is still not, no one lives there. And they spend a lot of time in houses that haven't yet sold that are like on the market, like the on the market thing. Like, but the, I think the emptiness and that nothingness is really reflected in the in the architecture of those houses because they're all kind of big and open too. Yeah, and it's also that um, the the whole notion of how to set up a house. Like first right. of all, it's just it's called staging. Mm-hmm. So and and because they spend so much time in these unsold houses, they're literally spending time in a staged room. Yeah, you know they're spending time on like um, on in a type of space that shares a name with with the theater. You know what I mean? Right. So they're 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 trapped in this emptiness of this like strange dualism or juxtaposition between like acting and not acting or being performative but not acting or this realness that comes with the with with the with the with the duplicity or the fakeness of needing to act for your job which again is I think like months ago we were talking with um friend of the pod Becca about Vanderpump Rules and we were talking about how when you like work in service like at a restaurant you need to be fake and you need to put up um like a projection of yourself and I think that like that's what real estate is um 
you know, in a, in a different way, but in a similar way, where it's like, you need to act like the house is yours, even if it can never be your house. Yeah. And the way that the house is staged is it's to make, like, it, it's supposed to be any single person who comes in can feel like it, it can already be right. theirs, right. which is that emptiness, which is like this, this um, uncanny universality. You know, I think too, like thinking in the, the vein of like, what's the lineage of this show and like, how, what's the, like, what were the, like the shows that were its origin, like on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills specifically, you know, you spend a lot of time inside their houses. You spend a lot of time inside Lisa Vanderpump's house. I think that's like a whole aspect to this show as well. Is like to be able to go inside these spaces, like as somebody who could never go inside them. Which is right. right, Which is also, um, I think a point I was, or something I was thinking about with, why the first season doesn't quite work for me because the first season in the first five minutes you're presented with a classic reality television show problem which is there's a new girl oh we're already friends oh there's a new girl um so so what happens that's like sheena at sir what happens when you're in these scenarios is as the viewer they're asking you to relate to the new girl because Mm -hmm. with the new girl you're also learning who the office is yes you know, that's like your, your, cause the function is like, of the new girl. Yeah, exactly. It's to be like, Oh, this place is weird. Oh, how, what's going on here. And as a viewer, you're also doing that. But I actually think that it's like, that was so not a, um, like issue or something, but, but, um, what was like, right. So, so, uh, so there, so there is that, and I don't think it worked because Chriselle is not super relatable and she, she doesn't really have her own, um, like emotional vulnerability but I think in a similar way you're also supposed to relate or you're also supposed to see house after house through the lens of these women like you're relating to their aspiration of an of an even wealthier type of wealth yeah you know and that's kind of how they're entering into these spaces in the same way Chriselle enters into the space the social space of the Oppenheim group is is how each individual woman enters into the space of the unsold house yes yes and we haven't even talked about the weirdest most cyborgian gemini part of this show i was just gonna say we gotta touch on it to to round it out the identical twins i mean literally identical (laughs) what like i'm sorry twins like my two best friends are twins I love twins. Me too. I love a twin. Twins, though, are freaky, especially when they grow up and And they're still dressed the same, look the same, do the same thing. It's weird. Like, I'm sorry. They have, like, I mean, the show does, everybody in the show does have, like, weird sex vibes. (laughs) Dude, the twins, Chris Chris and I talk about this. They're threesuming all the time. Yeah. Like but they're constantly. doing some like double penetration shit. Oh, for sure. Oh my god. Yeah. And they're I feel like they're also someone who's like, I'm not gonna like they don't like to like orgasm on their own. They just kind of like to watch women just like do disgusting things to themselves. Well, I mean, it's like it's it's like I don't even know what to say. I mean it's like literally <laughs> saying like like they the way that they're just like these mm. tiny little like shmi little like twins that are like kind of ugly and like shiny head ass bald and like like babies like they just like around these women that are like lit christina's literally two feet taller (laughs) oh everyone loves to talk about davina (laughs) oh my god davina that bitch is i think was like she's like a viva davina reminds me of a viva davina i think was like on the like had some relationship with the hills Okay, that's maybe okay, maybe not tonight, but that's another similarity. I found that show very similar to The Hills, and I think that yes. it's like um, Mary looks a lot like Heidi from The Hills. Yeah. Heidi Pratt, I guess is her name now. And there's even like a mention with uh, one of like their clients, Alexandra, where uh, Chriselle was like, "Oh my God, does you look exactly like Lauren Conrad?" Wait, sorry, I'm looking up who Davina is. Yeah, the, can I'm just gonna read a sentence yeah. from this random website before Potrats was selling million dollar listings for the Oppenheim group. She worked as a model for Ford, which is no surprise considering how pretty the German native American is. <laughs> wow. 
Okay. So it's the same producer as The Hills. Oh. Adam DeVeller produced Laguna Beach and The Hills. Okay. He said he saw the Oppenheim Group's ads in magazines and thought that's the cast of a show right there. He also said to Variety, the series is fully reality. Okay, Adam DeVello. That's crazy. No, I mean, The Hills... The Hills is a weird show and I'm excited. We won't tell you exactly what we're planning, but I think that we're actually going to do a little bit of a rewatch or a little bit of a discussion of the Hills in the, in the next few weeks, um, which, which is actually going to be really fascinating to watch like alongside. Do you remember how the Hills ended the last scene? It is incredible. So uh, Brody, Brady, Brody, Brody, Brody Jenner. Brody Jenner, um, one of the girls, it's a weird ass name. They, um, you know, it's the last scene and I think they just had a fight or they're getting back together. They're breaking up or something. And they have this like big emotional scene. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the camera pans out and um, Brady looks, Brody looks up and then like the crew comes in and they take the background, which was like a background of, um, of like a Los Angeles sunset and they pull it away. And like this girl and Brody are like, all right, cool. Gotta go see my boyfriend and then leave. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, and you're like, what? That's so, that's so weird. So so I think that's a good place to end on because I think like, this is a conversation we're going to continue. And I do think that like, that's very much like, I mean, the idea of taking down the sunset selling the sunset, right? It's all this, it's all this, um, fabrication and, and it, but it's not just a fabrication that's trying to pass off, pass itself off as real. It's, it's a, it's a fabrication that leans into the, leans into that confusion and anxiety. Yeah. And it's also just going back to the name stuff with like the super like, uh, biblical names. It's like, God created the, the, you know, and then there was light. Yeah. You know, that's like the first thing God created is the sunrise and the sunset, but also like dark means this like pre-existing biblical nothingness. Right. And you think of the sunset, which is already leading to this type of night, to this type of darkness. But then you also think of this like completely commodified Catholicism, Mm -hmm. because what happens if someone can own the sunset? You know, it really puts you right in competition with with god or the idea of god or like the whole like nietzschean nihilistic god is dead um type of stuff which i don't know what happens when you sell the sunset who who owns it is it right. the idea of the sunset are you saying that you're god are you what are, what are you conflating money with how i don't know it's just it's very fascinating well, to it's, me. it's a kind of view it's a kind of it's a kind of it's like the Lion King, everything you, the light touches, you know, belongs to your kingdom, Simba, <laughs> right? It's That's like, a beautiful quote. It's Gemma. like, <laughs> it's like, it's like a, a vantage point. It's like yeah. being, being, and, and even the $40 million house has, has, is really tall too. It has a lot of floors, you know? Yeah. Tower of Babel. You're trying On to get top of the to hill. God. Try to get as close to God as you can. And then, of course, of as course, as close to God and the Hollywood sign as you can. As we all know, they're all going to topple the fuck down with the earthquake and the mudslides right. and the fires, which right. incredibly biblical way yeah. to die. Yes. And on that note, we're out. We're out. <laughs> Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Some fun guests coming up. Money can't buy your class. Money can't buy your class. Elegance is learned, my friends. Elegance is learned. Oh, yeah. Money can't buy your class. To hold the door when I give them so much more than they can imagine. Money rich and manners poor never got the boys too far. Money talks, but I just walk when I can't stand it. And the primary mistake texting on a date. If you make a lady wait, she'll take a pass. 
the lesson all should learn even if there's cash to burn respect yourself cuz no one else can change your path money can't buy your class money can't buy your class elegance is learn my friends elegance is learn oh yeah money can't buy your class money can't buy your class forget to allow the men you've met to exemplify their very best behavior when entering a room greet everyone and soon you'll be invited and entitled to the grandeur your company should feel when a conversation's real even if the topic feels like science class you can tell where someone's been without even asking him he's either rude or has some style and panache Money can't buy your class Money can't buy your class Elegance is learn My friends Elegance is learn Oh yeah Life is all about elegance and flair and savoir-faire You don't have to be rich or famous to be unforgettable haha <laughs> It's not about where you're from, it's about what you've learned. Money can't buy your class. Money can't buy your class. Elegance is learn, my friends. Elegance is learn. Money can't buy your class.